going to say, I just see your girlfriend poking back. Um, what is going on, everyone? And welcome back to Bears on Tap. You can go ahead and give us a follow at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. I'm Lucas Perfetti. You can go ahead and follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46. I'm also joined alongside by my guys, Duke Coughlin, that pod guy, Duke and Brandon Suarez at beat on 300. Gentlemen, it's been a whirlwind of a season. Finished at eight and eight. We're going to be going over this Saints wildcard game a little bit. Um, talk about some Roquan Smith updates or lack of updates there is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a time when we thought there was no way we're missing the playoffs. And then there was a time when we thought that there was no way we're making the playoffs. And it just kind of happened where, you know, as much as I wanted the Bears to win and go into the playoffs with momentum, at the end of the day, they they got into the dance. And we've seen those miracle stories. And why can't it be the Bears? You know, why can't it? They have enough talent on that team to win. Um, but gentlemen, how we doing? Listen, the way that I see it right now, man, is we're in the playoffs. That's we just have to take that at face value. And, you know, kind of with that with the dance analogy, Lucas, I got to say, man, listen, if your crush is at the dance and she's going with another guy, all you got to do is pick up like one of these like three, four girls just to get there, man. You know, because they're not going to let you in the dance with nobody else. Listen, we're here. We have a chance as much as nobody wants to give us a chance, as much as we probably realistically don't think we might have a chance. We're in the show. That's all that matters. Let's be the fucking 16th seed in college basketball and let's go win a natty title, man. Like, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. And, yeah, I, mean, and, for... I, and I mean, in that situation, all you got to do is pull out your meat and you'll know right away whether or not. So you just got to put your meat on the table and that's what the Bears got to do this weekend. Uh, obviously, it wasn't the performance that we wish we could have seen last week, but the players in that locker room are hungry. They have an opportunity to go out there and win a playoff game. And something that I talked about on the last episode is we're 0-0. Zero zero. Our record doesn't mean anything. The only thing that it mattered for was the team that we're going to play. And honestly, beating the Green Bay Packers would have put us back up against the Green Bay Packers right after that. So I honestly feel a lot more comfortable given the way we played the Saints and the way we match up with them currently for our first-round matchup. Yeah, we're not sure. fucking losing. I, I don't know if I made that clear enough, but we're not losing. We're not fucking yeah. losing. My, I mean, the homer in me says we're not losing, but I don't know. We, we've we seen a lot. Um, and I think it's I mean, obviously it's going to be a completely different game. We no longer have Nick Foles as the starting quarterback. Um, we've switched the offense around. We are the, the Bears are doing a lot of different things in the last time they met up with the Saints. Um, and it was only a, a three point game in overtime. So. I mean, I think really it's kind of – I think it depends on Roquan Smith, and, and the Bears have not been giving any sort of update whatsoever. I actually just want to read you this tweet, and I think it was put intentionally there just because of Roquan. Um, says, Bears Wednesday injury report. Please note today's practice as a walkthrough injury reports are estimations. So this is like straight up saying – this is from the Chicago Bears, so it's not like they can't ask Matt Nagy who the fuck was hurt. This is them saying, we don't want to give you a legitimate injury report, but Roquan Smith was listed as a non-participant, and Jalen Johnson was actually listed as limited, so that could be a good sign. But I think every from everything we're seeing out there, you know, there's that one dude that does the um, – he's like a doctor, and he does like injury analysis through film, and a lot of the times he's on point, to be honest. Um, but I think the, the reality is – Roquan's probably not going to play, you know, dislocated elbow, unless for some reason it didn't touch any nerves, nothing like that. I, I would assume that he's not going to play. 
I mean, yeah, we've definitely seen kind of like that that Iron Man like strength of a lot of guys when they go into the playoffs, but it's really it's more uh, the exception more than it is the rule. You know, you, you think of like the torn peck of like a guy like Ray Lewis or like um, what was that one linebacker who ended up getting his like entire arm stitched Thomas back Davis. together? Thomas Davis, exactly. And he did, he did that. ACL, like. Yeah, I mean, we there's obviously these tests of strengths. I think if you're looking at it, you know, from the smart sense of things, if you're the anyone of power in the Chicago Bears, you're probably hitting a point where it's like, all right, who's going to have to go to Roquan and tell him that he's not going to play? You know, it's one of those things. You know Roquan's probably trying to think of every possible way to get out there on the field. That's probably why it hasn't been announced that he's going to be out and we're not you know, kind of having anybody run with the idea that, you know, Josh Woods or Iggy are going to be getting a lot of snaps this week. But it's probably a lot of it has to do also with gamesmanship, you know, like you said, holding it close to the chest, holding it, this idea that Roquan could play and making the Saints kind of prepare around that. But I really think it's going to come down to the team's going to have to tell Roquan that he's not going to be able to play. It's going to be very unfortunate. You know, like you said, um, the elbow injury didn't look good. Um, I believe uh, Danny Trevathan actually experienced something similar last year that ended his season. I don't know if it was the elbow or the arm, you know, in total. Akeem but, Hicks, uh, I think, had a similar injury too. And But Akeem Hicks's shit looked gruesome. Like, we didn't see Roquan's on replay the way we did in those other two injuries, like you were saying. Yeah. We didn't well, have I'm a, Akeem Hicks for the last game, did we? I don't think we did. What, yeah, we Green did. Bay? Yeah. yeah, he was there. He just, no, 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 for this, the last Saints game. I think that's the game. So that might have been during that stretch. Yeah, that was, that was in the right at, that, If I'm not mistaken, that was right. No, no, no. That was before the the Vikings game. Yeah, I think he would have played in that one. He hurt. Yeah, he hurt. But I think it was the very next week that he ended up getting injured. Yes, it, it was the next week. Yeah, because I remember he was barking with um, uh, what's his face the entire fucking game, um, running back for the Vikings. And then that's yeah, when he ended up. Yeah, yeah he was barking. Yeah. The Vikings were after that. Either yeah. way, I don't know. I still feel that no matter which way we look at this team, it's going to come down to what Chuck the Cuck's going to call on that defense. Because I feel like I feel like they're going to open up the offense a little bit more. Because you have to realize, like, the only way you can win the way they called the game last week is if you finish your drives in the end zone. Because you're basically. You know, at that point, you're basically sacrificing the fact that you you feel Aaron Rodgers is going to score every time he gets the ball. And if he doesn't, that's just a plus. Drew Brees, as my guy Lucas and I would like to say, fucking cooked. And I feel like that's a quarterback with limited weapons right now that if we can create the type of pressure we're capable of creating, it's going to be a fucking war. It's going to be a close game. Yeah, and I mean, like, you you talk about the difference between Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, but there's also no coverage dictator on the Saints currently like there is in Green Bay with Devontae Adams because it was very clear they played fucking a game with Chuck Pagano, and it was like, okay, well, you're going to leave Devontae Adams alone. He's going to kill you after he killed you one time. Now you're shading over to his side. Now you're popping over the head of Josh Woods. So fortunately for the Bears, there is no true coverage dictator, of course, like, Someone like um, Alvin Kamara out of the slot could be deadly, but he's not Devontae Adams uh, as a receiver. You you have to worry about – and to be honest, with Roquan Smith, I wasn't that worried about Kamara. Obviously, Kamara led the league in in scrimmage yards, so he got his against the Bears um, like through the air and on the ground. But the 
like you, you can't expect someone like that to get nothing. You just have to hope the uh, you you can contain the other guys around him. Um, and I think that's that's the reality we're looking at here. Like they are a depleted team. Who who uh, they have four guys on IR. You said four wide receivers on IR, including Michael Thomas. And I don't think we know the status of Alvin Kamara yet. We know that 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 the NFL put the game on Sunday, so Alvin, Alvin Kamara could be I was eligible. Gonna say, I think because of that, they're probably going to be able to play. But when I was looking at the depth chart before the game, at receiver, right now, Northwestern graduate Austin Carr, Emmanuel Sanders, who's the clear number one, the person who's been in these big games, and I believe he was on the Niners last year in the Super Bowl, Marquez Call- or Marquez Callaway, and then Jake Kumaro and Juwan Johnson. So that's their ragtag bunch of receivers. They've They've proven to be able to move the ball and score points without Michael Thomas and without Alvin Kamara. But I feel like this is a game that can be won in the upper 20s. Like it's, I'm not going to get into the score prediction now, but this is a game where if they can keep that offense at bay, there's no reason on this earth why they can't win it. 100%. And the Saints actually have a very good rushing defense. If you don't remember, they I think they went like a total of 19. Mario Davis is an animal. Yeah, without a 100-yard rusher. And um Dave Montgomery, if I'm not mistaken, was the guy to break that. Um, or they had two in Philadelphia. But I know I remember Dave Montgomery in the first half was very clearly on pace to break that. I'm not sure if he did. Um, but, I mean, it's an age-old story, right, with Matt Nagy and fucking getting away from running the ball. Yeah, you know, kind of picking up off the uh, the points with Kamara coming out of the backfield and some of the receivers we're going to have to deal with, and especially with the Roquan injury, um, I don't want to get lost in the shovel. Um, Jalen Johnson obviously was also limited limited participant on Wednesday. That's something we're going to have to pay attention to. But, and this is the key that I brought up before the Packers game that kind of ended up hurting us once Roquan went down, is Deion Bush was a full participant on Wednesday with a That's foot That's going to be huge yes. to replace him in dime packages for, Absolutely. for having a guy like fucking – Josh Woods or Danny Trevathan trying to trail Alan Lazard. That Very good point, dude. Exactly, dude. And I think that's going to be big, especially if Kamara does end up playing. That's going to be somebody that's got to shadow him coming out of the backfield. Um, yeah, you know, those are two big ones. And if Jalen can play against this depleted wide receiver set on turf, that's another big big part of this um, that we're not haven't really gotten into yet. This is the first time we've played the Saints on turf since I believe Mitchell Trubisky's rookie season. So, um, you know, there's a potential where we could, you know, speed's going to be a lot more kind of playing into factor. Wow, I really butchered that. Um, It's going to factor in more because you're on turf, and Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson are both pretty speedy guys, so that could bode really well for our secondary. Eddie Jackson, oh. I really like the matchup, to be honest. I mean, it's just Chuck Pagano that I have no confidence in. Realistically, our RDBs, really the only mismatch should be Alvin Kamara, and I think you could do a pretty good job um, on him with a guy like Deion Bush or even DeAndre Houston Carson, who I think has been playing pretty fucking well for an undrafted guy um, that's just kind of been thrown into to more of those positions after Deion Bush left. But, I mean, I think the reality is, even with, I mean, you can give Sean Payton AAF players. I think he's going to be able to manufacture you 21 points no matter what. Like, I just think that uh, we've seen it forever. The Saints are going to be able to put up 21 points. The question comes down to, which always, which it always is, is, is the Chicago Bears. Are they going to be able to outscore this team? Yeah, man. And that's what it always ends up coming down to. And that's where, uh, you know, you guys were kind of bringing up David Montgomery right before I hopped in. 
that's going to be a big key to it, man. We're going to have to be able to run against this defense. You know, they still do have some pretty good defenders on that side of the football. Obviously, we're going to have the Juice Wims matchup with uh, Jagoff. I don't even want to say his fucking name because he's not worth my time. But, um, you know, there's there's a lot of different matchups in this game. And this is going to be it's going to have to be a game for the offense to kind of, you know, I know obviously it didn't look good against Packers, but kind of continue what they've been doing the last month, you know, continue to move the football in any way, any means necessary, whether it's running the ball, whether it's getting Mitchell Trubisky moving, whether it's, you know, completing, chunk, you know, getting those chunk yards down the field for eight to ten yards, you know. Even if it's the little things, as long as we can move the football like the first drive of the Green Bay Packers game, I feel like we have a lot of confidence on offense. It's going to be, you know, as you guys said, Chuck Pagano. What is he going to be able to do on defense to get to Drew Brees, to stop Alvin Kamara, to, you know, keep Emmanuel Sanders in check? You know, it, that's going to be the biggest key in this game for me. Dude, if you can't rattle Drew Brees at this point in his career, you fucking suck. And I think we already know Chuck Pagano fucking sucks, but that's just ridiculous, dude. Like, Drew Brees is so overcooked, it's ridiculous. You can't even fucking bite through him. And my, my thing is with the offense, this week you can't call a game that is just designed to not lose. Like, you have to be aggressive. You have to take and call your shots. You can't just call passes at the line of scrimmage or within five to eight yards all game. If you have to take a deep shot, take a deep shot. You know, utilize the running game. We have a 1,000-yard rusher. We have an offensive line that has really come into their own towards the end of this season and is going to make it interesting in the offseason with some of the big contracts that are on that offensive line, some of the lunch pail guys that came in and earned some contracts, something that we talked about on this podcast once the switch was made. You got hungry guys that are making fucking peanuts compared to the people that are in front of them. They're going to come in and play their ass off. I'm proud of the way this offense has progressed throughout the season, but now that I look back at it and I'm kind of mad at myself, Going into last week, I kind of talked about it. You know, you want to control the clock. You want to have these longer drives. If we got to get into a shootout with the Saints, it is what it is. Like, this is by any means necessary. You cannot tuck your sack and fart on your balls in the fucking red zone. You need to finish those drives in the end zone. We cannot. I mean, Cairo Santos is about as sure as a thing as there is in the NFL. Knock on wood, because it is the in a playoffs, dome and now I know too. we don't have I know we don't have luck, and I know he's on a big streak, and they're gonna fucking say it on the broadcast. And I know you guys know the broadcast stink about a kicker after they're like, Oh, he hasn't missed one in fifty-eight kicks. Boom, wide left every time. So uh, we got that to worry about. But No, it shouldn't that's that's the thing. if Matt Nagy didn't learn from his fucking mistake with the Eagles and didn't put up the points he needed to and don't leave it up to your fucking kicker. Yep. It's just yeah, that it, simple. Yeah, and, you know, kind of building off your guys' point where, you know, if we have to get in a shootout, so be it. One thing that drove me nuts kind of like watching some film back on the Green Bay Packers game was the fact that not only did we not take shots, we just we waited way too long to start even trying. Like that last Mitch interception, that was that was such an aggressive throw on a deep route. But in all honesty, there were not many of those deep routes called in the first place. This is the playoffs, baby. There's a lot of stuff on the line in this game, especially when it comes to jobs. You know, I've heard the reports that Matt Nagy is safe and all that nonsense. I still don't totally believe that 100%. If we, get I want to get into that, actually, Duke, because I put my let's put our tinfoil hats on here for a second. I think that. All right. Call me crazy, but this is just me being optimistic. I think that they told Ted Phillips that to see if he leaks any of that information as a test 
to see if he's whether he stays or goes. And because he leaked that information, he is now gone. So is Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, and Mitchell Trubisky stay. Because we didn't acknowledge this, but I, I didn't think I thought it was very strange that they announced the safety of Matt Nagy, but they did not. But they said that um, the Chicago Bears and Mitchell Trubisky are going to talk about contracts afterwards. But with how he's been playing they'd be willing to offer him a contract, essentially. So the way I read that was, if Matt Nagy stays, Mitchell Trubisky does not want to be here. And I we've gone over that before. It's very, I I, I would support him 100%. I, I think if I was Mitchell Trubisky, I'd get as far out of Chicago as possible because you're not going to get a real, you're never going to meet anyone's expectations. Um, and it's just a fucking toxic place for you, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like for Mitchell Trubisky, like it's not a place for him to be. It's not worth it. Um, but, you know, I don't want to dive too much into that. I just thought it was funny you said that because I didn't I, I just am astounded that they announced it, announced his safety before the game. And I want to kind of um, double back, double back on Bidon's point with the short shit. I mean, really. They were the Green Bay Packers were starting to jump. They actually almost picked off a screen pass when we were in that bunch set with the four receivers on the side and they were jumping everything. And that right after that play is when they hit that deep shot. And exactly more early and often, baby, early and often. Take those fucking shots. Yes, especially when you're getting rushes of like Dave Montgomery or you're getting those first down passes to Darnell Mooney for eight, nine yards. Like, and you know, you're going to be a third and two. Like why at that point, why are you taking the easy first down? Like take the easy first down on third, especially if you're going for it on fourth, the entire fucking game, which I was in support of. You got to do everything you can to beat a team like the Packers. But I just thought it was kind of crazy that they didn't. and, And it's very clear. Matt Nagy coached that game to not be embarrassed by the Green Bay Packers. He did not coach it to win it. He did it. He coached to not be embarrassed and still found a way to have an embarrassable margin at the end of it. Yeah. And I mean, obviously the, uh, the final score doesn't tell the whole story, but you know, you know, and I'll let beat on kind of pick up from here, but that's, that's really the big point, dude. Like play to win, do not play to save your job, play for everything on the fucking table. Let let Mitchell Trubisky move around, do play action, take shots. Like, dude, give me a fucking Rex Grossman against the Seattle fucking Seahawks moment where it's a play action 70-yard fucking bomb and everyone feels a little bit of something all of a sudden. You know what I mean? You guys know the play that I'm talking about? That play against Seattle in the playoffs where it was just like the second that fucking pass hit, it was like, we might be rolling here, boys. Well, I want dude, that fucking felt, moment. It, all it it felt that way when they completed the uh, when Mitch Trubisky completed a Darnell Mooney, and I'm not going to sit here and say it was a dime ball or blah blah blah, but it traveled like 57 yards in the air, and Darnell Mooney made a great fucking play on the ball with a defender turned with his back turned to it. But that was like I felt like at that point I was like, okay, let's get rolling now, and it just was right back to the sack tucking. Let's kick a field goal with Kyrell Santos. And it's just like, you cannot depend on your fucking kicker like that. You bring in your kicker when it's an emergency situation, when it's like, hey, we only have 27 seconds to get 30 yards. Now, hey, buddy, we need to depend on you. Not fucking, we're just going to chip away at you, dude. Kyrell Santos probably has an unreal amount of points right now. One thing I wanted to say, and I don't know if you guys were aware of it, but there's actually people out there that believe that the Mitch interception cost us the game. I just wanted to bring that to light. Such a fucking joke, dude. And you could tell, I I mean, I'm not going to sit here and defend Mitch all day because. Fox score fans. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and defend Mitch and like, be like, oh, well, it's a different game against the Saints because the Saints have given fucking, I mean, we've been playing the Saints every year and they've been giving Mitchell problems. So I, I don't feel confident about that matchup on offense, to be honest, but it is a different system. So We'll see how that goes, but I, I 
we've seen so many frustration type picks like that from Mitchell Trubisky where it's like he you could tell he's fucking aggravated and he finally gets a deep shot so he forces it into double, double coverage it's just like I'm just gonna fucking send it I, I would feel that I, I understand fucking where it comes from but sometimes you're like okay well like wow we've ran fucking you know 13 plays on this drive and we've had one drive uh one route go past 10 yards like and fucking everyone's sitting here talking about how i can't throw past 10 yards i'm gonna fucking fling it like i could see why you'd get frustrated in that offense especially being a quarterback imagine trying to make josh allen do that you know what i mean and i'm not saying josh that allen, Mitch, oh my fuck but i'm not God. saying I that Mitchell think the bills. do that but duke sentiment earlier in the year like josh allen was not a very good player his Last first two year. years in the league yeah. yes his first two years in the league he was not very good but they just kept doubling down on him doubling down it's like they took the Bulls' money line and then live. Like, every time they went down a point, they just kept throwing a fin on it, throwing another they fin. They built the offense to him. Built the they, offense around him. And as he progressed with his reads, his impressions, his accuracy, his, his – yeah, all that stuff, they got him fucking receivers he couldn't overthrow. And then it's like, boom. And it's just – if right there, that should be the template for every – what the fucking Buffalo Bills did and what the Baltimore Ravens did for Lamar Jackson. Because Lamar Jackson can't throw the fucking ball to save his life. But they still found a way to make him an extremely efficient passer. Coach yeah. Hammock helped build that offense. Just want to put that out there. Friend of friend of on tap, Coach Hammock helped build that offense. Just gonna say that. But if there's one person to attack in this secondary, Malcolm Jenkins. Slower than shit. Can't catch a cold. Can't cover a goddamn thing. Great leader. Great unbelievable Hula player guy. in his prime. Yeah, unbelievable but player in his prime. If there's someone to take deep shots on in that secondary, that's who I'm taking them on. And then, two, I think uh, – I can't remember if it – yeah, Marcus Williams is out right now for this game. That's the guy from the Minneapolis Miracle. So, that guy's always good for a deep shot. Well, dude, fucking with this offense, man, give me, like, <laughs> week one, fourth quarter of the Detroit Lions, dog. Like, give me that type of aggressive offense. Put fucking – you know, if Darnell Mooney's a little shaken up and he can't take deep shots all day – Dude, let fucking Anthony Miller go in there and start running some routes. You know what I mean? You I don't think it's really funny you say that too because everyone's talking about where you know it's the anniversary of the fucking double doink. I remember like it was yesterday because it's the day before my birthday. Oh, does did, does anybody know that actually today is the anniversary of the double doink? Because I would have never fucking guessed. Never considered it the anniversary. I told of the Bleacher double Report doink. to fuck off this. I morning. considered it, <laughs> and I'm proud. Like there there may be a point in time where I apply at Bleacher Report. Who knows? I don't know. But I told them to fuck off this morning because fuck them for that. See, they're. It's not the anniversary of the double doink. It's the anniversary of realizing that Matt Nagy did not want to exploit UDFA fucking draft picks and was too scared to throw the ball downfield until it was too late. That's the reality of it. And it's something, and Duke was just highlighting that. Every time in this offense, I felt like we didn't start pushing the ball downfield for the past three years until it was fucking like, hey, we have to do this. Like, we have no other choice but to start flinging it. Why not just fucking go for it? Especially if it's the playoffs. You come out here and tuck your sack back. I mean, fuck, dude. That's It's going to be gruesome. Going home. You're going no. home. And once you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. I, I don't know. I feel like everyone in the league, Saints included, are overlooking this game. In a regular year, we are at home. or I mean, any year prior to this, we are at home. And the Saints are also at home preparing for their matchup next week. So this is a different – we are the inaugural seventh seed. I didn't think about that until the after the game. But what a Chicago Bears-type feat to be 
the inaugural seven seed in the first year of expansion. But with that being said, let's make it a special one. There's been teams like the New York Giants, like the Philadelphia Eagles, that have made runs from the wild card spots. We're playing every game on the road. We're playing every game as underdogs. But this team has a chip on their shoulder, and if they can just be good enough to go 1-0 and each week starting this week, why not us? Like you guys said at the beginning of the podcast, why not us? We're one of the 14 teams that are in the dance. Let's make it fucking happen. Well, yeah, and I just think personally, like, are the Bears really going to be able to compete with the upper echelons of the NFL? No. We'll, but, get, yeah, we'll get there on that episode. But, but we're not there when we get there. But what I will say is that there's no better fucking feeling than spoiling a guy like Drew Brees' last Super Bowl run. They The Bears have what it takes to knock off the New Orleans Saints. They can do it. Will they do it is a completely different question. But, I mean, if you're going to – no one thinks you could win. You might as well start playing spoiler for a couple people, learn how to win a couple playoff games, maybe make a little bit of noise like even the Titans did last year. Go, go, go to a fucking NFC championship. Like, go represent your team, your city. You know what I mean? It's more than possible – We've seen all these kinds of runs, and and I mean, no one thought that the Titans were going to be the the what was it? Titans versus the Ravens, Week One. They absolutely boat raced them, destroyed the Ravens. We saw Minnesota, a team that everyone thought the Saints were just going to kill. What happened? Yeah, dude, a hundred percent, man. I uh, and you know, one, going back to Beaton's point about us being the inaugural seventh seed, we're playing in the fucking Nickelodeon Bowl, baby. We are playing on That's Nickelodeon. So we are fucking top shelf. And you know what, Perfetti, I'm stealing this from you, but I want Mitch to walk into the fucking offensive play calling room, go straight fucking Helga Pataki, put his meat on the fucking table, and tell Mike Furry. Hey, bitch, we're taking deep shots. You can either sit the fuck down, get the fuck out of my way, or tell your receivers to catch the ball. Because yeah. you know what? Bitch is going to put all his fucking meat on the table. Deep shots make fucking money, and they make ladies. And uh, let's fucking win this game against the Saints. Like, and, I'm, uh, I'm yeah. fucking on board, baby. And how about you take this back shoulder throw right in your keister? That's what Mitchell Trubisky should say. 100% baby. And he should use the word keister, because I think it – carries so much more weight than ass and he um, needs to just take a piece of fucking gum and just place it right on his bald fucking head yeah yeah <laughs> on the topic of nickelodeon who would you guys say your favorite nickelodeon character of all time is oh man and and to to double it up who is that person on the bears You blindsided me. That's a good question. I'll go first. I'll go first since I asked the question because I'm a jag off. But I got to say, hey, Arnold. And who would hey, Arnold be? Hey, Arnold would be like Patrick Scales on the Bears. Like he would be like someone who isn't like a main contributor. But on that one play out of every 20 that he does play, get that snap off, take his football head back to the sideline and keep it the fuck <laughs> You just got balanced by Patrick Scales, baby. Um, shit, that's a really good one, man. Um, I'm going to say Cat Dog, and I'm going to say Cat Dog is Anthony Miller. Because one day he shows up and he plays like a dog, and the next day he shows up and acts like a cat. That's the best way I can put it. Damn. That was decent. Yeah, when we talked about like a team built, or if you can – Schwartz, he posed this question for us. He was like, which – uh. If you could add any 
you know, Nickelodeon character to the, the Bears roster, who would it be? I was like, cat dog, play him at middle linebacker. No one's getting through the middle. Just have him fucking go sideways and just trip everybody up coming through. You got A and B gaps covered with one guy. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I kind of want to say, yeah, no, this is, no, I can't. Mm, yeah, yeah. Put your meat no. on the table, Perfetti. No, because I was going to say Jimmy Neutron and give it to Matt Nagy, but Jimmy Neutron actually is smart, and Matt Nagy just thinks he's smart. Jimmy Neutron also has hair. That's very true. <laughs> and Jimmy Neutron's also already on this call. I'm going to go with <laughs> I'm gonna go with Helga, actually. I think she's really kind of reminds me of a, a previous player in, um, in Leonard Floyd. Really just fucking lanky skinny but still really fucking strong i'm sure she could play the run well really gets uh not gonna let anyone get outside of contain i'm sure she could drop into a pretty shallow zone so i'm gonna go ahead and go with helga um pick off a quick screen mm-hmm. definitely shallow i mean that's was, that was pretty good pretty good wording there yeah she's not the nicest human being on the planet which is something you'd want on your defense for sure <laughs> good call. um yeah i think on that note we're done for the night um you guys got anything else to add uh, dude, Bulls by a thousand. I'm ready to watch the second half of this game, baby. Yeah, it's pretty much tied. It's the fourth <laughs> yeah, quarter. The Bulls, the Bulls have been a wagon this year, but this is our opportunity as a podcast to earn three more episodes. So I don't see why not. Let's let's keep this thing rolling. I don't want to get into draft coverage. Bear or Bears got to find a way to win a football game on Sunday. And like you guys said at the beginning of the podcast, we're kind of in limbo it feels i forgot which which week it was i think we played on monday night where they kept that injury report so fucking hush hush until the last second we record the episode Rams game. yeah Rams game. yeah right after we finish the episode it, it really yep. so yeah that's gonna be the same situation i feel like for this week but control what we can control and that is to go out there and give the same 60 minutes of hell and i really do think I like the Bears losing last week because this is a huge bounce back spot for them. And it's a team that we've already played this season. And uh, like you guys said last last episode, it's hard to beat a team twice. And I've also heard it's hard to beat a team three times. Didn't play them three times, but the metaphor is still there. Yeah, I mean, okay. <laughs> on on that note, um, <laughs> beat on is being extremely optimistic about losing last week. But you know what? Fuck it. Let's go with that. Yeah. And you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna also be optimistic and say maybe that Roquan Smith is perfectly fine and he's gonna play. But that's Matt Nagy's way of showing gamesmanship, maybe leading them to believe that he's not gonna be on the field. So let's just keep it optimistic. Um, and we'll be back with you in a couple of days to give you the full injury report and hopefully things look good. At the end of the day, um, you know, we need a W. So thank you guys very much for listening. Go ahead and follow us at Bears on Tap or follow on Tap Sportsnet for all of your Chicago sports needs. You can follow me at Lucas Perfetti 46 And I'm also joined alongside by Beat on 300, Brandon Suarez, and that pod guy, Duke Duke Coughlin. You can go ahead and follow them at those handles. Thank you guys very much and bear down. Bear down. Bear down.